I'm Dave Champion, and welcome to the first podcast I've done in a very long time. I was podcasting before podcasting was a thing, probably, I don't know, 12, 13, 14 years ago, and podcasting was not really a thing back then, and so I switched as, with the emergence of social media. I stopped podcasting, there wasn't much of an audience for it back then, and then I began to engage more frequently in social media, and that's been the direction I've had for the last decade. So, why, after all these years, am I back podcasting? To put it in a word, Facebook. I'm going to get into that in a minute. So, welcome to the arbitrarily numbered episode 1000 of the Dr. Reality Dave Champion podcast. Uh, I, I say it's arbitrary, but it's kind of not. It is, it isn't. Um, Considering all the content I've put on social media of all kinds over the last 15 years, we're talking literally thousands upon thousands upon thousands. So a thousand is not a bad place to start. So welcome to episode 1000. Okay, so why did I start doing this again? Well, I had made a fairly significant investment in terms of time and money and energy into Facebook. And by money, I mean advertising, using Facebook as an advertising platform. So I, I put a lot of resources into that, only to have Facebook turn into some crazy, you can't say anything um, remotely, I don't even want to say controversial, um, that might perhaps rub somebody the wrong way. You can't do that on Facebook. And, and I'm not exaggerating. I'm going to give you an example of that in a few moments. But in my case, especially in the last year concerning the SARS-CoV-2 outbreak and my numerous uh, videos that I've posted on Facebook concerning the science, the facts, the evidence, and so forth, uh, yeah, Facebook moderators have really gotten a case of the ass burn with me about that. And the way they've handled that is to target me. In other words, um, you... This was literally a test done by some friends. I was suspended for a meme. And so a group of my friends then put the same meme on their pages. Not a peep out of Facebook. Okay. So because of my coverage of SARS-CoV-2 and the fact that I, I use facts, data, and evidence to show that more often than not, the establishment narrative is completely false, Facebook can't tolerate that. So I've been targeted. So that's one reason. But that's more of a commercial thing. Um, so let's look at something personal to show you how insane the whole, I would call it Facebook moderation, but I don't even think that's an appropriate term anymore. I don't know what to call it, but I think moderation is far, far and away something different than what Facebook is doing. So here's an example of where Facebook, the insanity that has consumed Facebook in terms of moderation. Uh, a friend of mine on Facebook was chit-chatting with a friend of hers on Facebook. Now these are friends. This is not an adversarial conversation. And the guy was saying, I'm tired of dating whores. Now, I don't know what his definition of whores is. And uh, so she responded and said, yeah, I'm tired of dating man whores. No, I don't know what her definition of man whore is. But this was a conversation, two people joshing back and forth, right? No big deal, nothing going on, nobody being offended. It's all in good humor between people who know one another and they're having fun conversing until she got suspended by Facebook. And I actually wrote this down because I wanted to make sure that I got this right for you. She was suspended because the language could make 
a person feel inferior. <laughs> oh, wow. The language could make a person feel inferior. Okay, so uh, I think the main point I want to make about that particular, com- that particular um, criteria for suspending somebody is there is no line. Because when, when you set up something like community standards, there should be some discernible lines. So somebody's sitting there going, doing their thing on Facebook and they're considering posting something and wait. Does that violate Facebook's community standards? There should be some way to know that. And, I, and I, perhaps because I've been targeted, I know that there isn't. The, the community standards that Facebook has put in place are so vague and so inscrutable that a moderator can suspend anybody for anything at any time by piling personal inference, not not what the poster meant, not what thousands of people would construe that post to mean. But the moderator can say in their hubris, well, I say it means this. Suspend. Okay, so uh, that's how vague and inscrutable it is that any moderator can take down any post, any time, and suspend the person for any reason. Okay? There, as far as I can see, there really is no supervision or proper oversight of moderators. They just do whatever they want. But back to the idea of you can make somebody feel inferior. Where is the line on that? Okay? There is no line on that. Um, for instance, if I looked at that convert, if I was a moderator, God forbid, Jesus, can you imagine what petty little trivial pieces of crap take on the job of moderator? Oh my God. Talk about emotionally jacked up, screwed up people. But if I was to take up that job position, <clears throat> I would look at that and, and I would chuckle. I would go, here's two people having fun. The person who looks at that and says it could make someone feel inferior is themselves a person who feels inferior, right? They're virtue signaling using their employment. uh, And it's disgusting. And my view of Facebook generally in terms of its moderation, uh, if you look at platforms like Twitter or uh, YouTube, which is owned by Google, I'm not saying I approve of what they do, but at least their moderation has a purpose, okay? It is to achieve an end. Now, With Facebook, they have lost track of that. Moderation is not a step they take to achieve an end. Moderation simply is the end. And Zuckerberg's made a big mistake because what he's done is he's put somebody in charge of moderation who adores moderation for the sake of moderation. (laughs) It's not achieving anything. It's, as a matter of fact, it's driving people off the platform. So when you... What Zuckerberg should do is take somebody like me who believes that if you're going to engage in moderation, it should be for significant issues and significant issues only. Things like inciting violence, things like threatening other people, I'm going to come to your house and shoot you in the face, things like that, okay? This, this is a problem, right? I think anybody who owns a platform, who manages a platform, would look at that and say, okay, this, this is an issue. So... That's not who Zuckerberg put in charge, obviously, of the moderation. Zuckerberg has put somebody in charge who loves moderation for the sake of moderation. In other words, there is no limit when somebody says, okay, that, that's enough moderation. Who's ever in charge, that line doesn't exist. More and more and more and more and more and more moderation. And what we have when we look at that level of moderation is 
a wholesale, all-out attack on free speech. In the case of the man and woman going back and forth talking about, what Facebook has done is said, it doesn't matter what you're attempting to convey to one another. You will use Facebook acceptable words or we'll take you off the platform. We'll suspend you. Okay? That's Orwellian shit right there, yes? So I'm looking at my years-long association, for lack of a better term, with Facebook. Uh, and I'm somebody who has a passion for personal liberty. And here I am with this relationship, with this platform that is, in my opinion, oppressive, tyrannical, dictatorial, and stands against personal liberty. It has, it's not moderating anymore. It is now attacking its own users. It is feeding on the people who provide the time, energy, and money for Facebook to profit. Okay. So I look at that relationship and I said, this is, I'm starting to feel that this relationship is undermining my personal uh, ethical structure. So I decided I'm going to step away from Facebook. Now, that's not going to be an overnight process. I'm going to move away slowly and go on to various other social media platforms and podcasting being one of them. And I will keep, when we talk about other social media sites, you know, we think something like Gab, Parler, Telegram, uh, Corner Tables, and, and I'll do a video or a podcast. I got to reorient my brain. I'll do a podcast and I'll share with you where all of this content will appear on the various platforms. Uh, but for today, I wanted you to know why I am back in the podcast game again. So with that under our belt, I want to talk about the real issue I'm here today. I wanted to share with you why I've started podcasting again. But there's another issue I want to talk about that was just introducing why I'm back to podcasting. So I want to share with you a post that I placed on my personal Facebook page uh, maybe a week ago. The last five years, especially the last election, have shown that a good percentage of the population are willing to buy into any stupid shit. By the way, I apologize for my computer making noise. I'll, I'm finding out the problems since I'm just coming back to podcasting. I'm finding out the problems having my Mac sitting here. So next time you won't hear any sounds. I apologize. Okay, so back to the text. I began to wonder whether people have always been this way or whether something has changed. I've been pondering that question for some time now. In terms of the question, I have been fortunate to have lived in both the pre-internet and internet worlds. In the pre-internet world, the establishment had nearly 100% control of what information the public would, but not could, access. In other words, the establishment didn't ban information, such as Facebook does, but the lazy masses only got what was spoon-fed to them by television and radio news, newspapers, and leading magazines. Uh, as a side note, it took me literally thousands and thousands of hours of research, much of it in law libraries, to be able to present to you in, with Income Tax Shattering the Mist how the United States government has conned you, conned the vast majority of Americans into falsely believing they owe the income tax. So... The information was there. That's my point. The, the establishment didn't ban it, but it took me thousands and thousands of hours of research and with assistance from scores of others to finally put all the pieces of the puzzle together. So that's how the establishment has been doing things. So back to the post. With the advent of the internet, the establishment began to lose control over what information people consumed. 
people started to have the ability to research issues of interest for themselves from the comfort of their home or office. In my mind, this is the amazing benefit of the internet. You can learn almost anything while sitting in your living room. I am a prime example, having learned more things that matter to me in the last 10 years, when damn near everything and anything became available on the, on the web, than in the entirety of my life before that. But, as with anything, there is a dark side. Having virtually unlimited access to information doesn't mean the masses will use it as have I. My perspective is they haven't. I'm not sure I have the right words to describe how I see it. I'll give it a go. It seems to me the masses use the power of the internet not to increase their intellect with facts, evidence, and meaningful data, but rather to seek out whatever feeds their emotions. They are so not self-aware, they don't even see that what passes in their minds for knowledge is actually whatever bullshit they find that satisfies their emotions. They don't seek or value accuracy, correctness, or factualness, because those would be restrictive to the subconscious need to accept only information that feeds their emotions. I see two possibilities for the future. There may be more that I can't envision. Number one, the continued need to use this newfound unfettered access to information to feed one's emotions, like a heroin addict uses heroin, is the timeless nature of mankind, and so the gift, that would be unlimited information, will always be misused and abused by the masses. Number two, mankind was or is not mentally or emotionally yet prepared for access to virtually anything anyone creates, good, good, bad, or indifferent. And so there is a maturation process or a period in which humans learn how to use the amazing gift of unlimited access to information for a higher purpose than emotional self-gratification. If it is number one, we are well and truly fucked. And I won't get into that today. Period. End of post. Okay, so first of all, having said all of that, the first thing that I want to say, and I realized this like the day after I wrote this, the first thing I want to say is that I'm full of shit. Okay, let me explain that comment. And I am, and, and I want to explain why. Uh, so first of all, I watched, or I'm sorry, I listened to a 2012 episode of my radio show that I used to do back then. And I found that in 2012, I was having the same exact dialogue with my audience about the fact that the American people don't appear to give a shit about facts, evidence, or data. They just want to feel the emotion right. They just want to be validated. They, they just want to um, feel like they fit in with their community, whatever community that might be, whether it's the, you know, speaking politically for a moment, or whether it's the left-leaning community or the right-leaning community. They just want to fit in. And I've talked at length before about the fact that people define themselves by what positions they adopt. And they, they adopt the position that feeds that emotional need to define themselves in a particular way. They don't seek out the information and go, well, will you look at that? <clears throat> will you look at that? Um, I guess I should take this point of view because the data compels that. They don't do that. They say, this is who I am. Oh, and this piece of data supports who I feel I am. Okay. 
So that's the first thing. I, I was talking about that back in 2012. So yeah, <laughs> I'm full of shit when I say the last five years. That's not true. Okay. Uh, I literally, when I listened to the radio show, I was like, you're kidding me. I was talking about this very same dynamic nine years ago. I totally forgotten. Okay. So the other reason I'm full of shit is that when I said people do not care about facts or accuracy or correctness because that's, uh, that's an obstacle to them looking at the information that feeds them emotionally uh, and that I have done it differently. I haven't done it differently. That's, that's bullshit. Uh, I wrote what was on my mind at the time, and then upon reflection, I realized that's bullshit. I also seek out that which feeds my emotional construct, my perception of self. In other words, in that limited regard, I'm no different than all the people I was presumptuously, what would be the correct adjective, um, criticizing, that I was presumptuously criticizing. In that narrow category, I am no different than they are. But there is a difference. And here's where we get into the difficulty. Okay. The difference is they define themselves in some way. I, I admit I don't understand. Let me be very clear about that. I don't understand. i give you an example. I saw last night on Facebook a dialogue between someone I know is a, is a fervent Trump supporter and a Facebook friend of hers, obviously a fervent Trump supporter, who was saying just yesterday in mid-March <laughs> that Trump could still be president. Okay. <laughs> they, that's some insane shit right there. Okay. And it wasn't talking about 2024. It was talking about the, this past November 2020 election that Trump could still become president anyway, even now, in mid-March. Okay. <clears throat> so there, there's something about that person. I'm just using her as an example. There's something about that person that causes her to be emotionally fed, emotionally gratified by insane fucking shit, right? Um, I get emotionally gratified on the other end of the spectrum. In other words, and, and divorcing this from politics, I use the Trump example in that gal because it was something I saw last night and it's in my head. Leaving politics aside, whether we're talking about science, whether we are talking about politics, whether we're talking about current events, whether we're talking about interpersonal relations, no matter what we're talking about, what emotionally feeds me, that's that parallel to the other people I was pretentiously criticizing, what feeds me is factualness, accuracy, and correctness. That is how I define myself. So the process for me is no different than the process for the people that I was pretentiously criticizing. Okay? We both engage in the same process. So then, once we acknowledge that, or once I acknowledged that, then the conversation becomes why. Why am I emotionally gratified by knowing that when I speak, what I put out, or write, what I put out is factual, accurate, and correct to the best of my ability. And when others speak or write, they don't give a fuck about factualness, accuracy, or correctness. 
They don't care. And I guess for the purpose of this podcast, why that distinction exists, I don't need to answer that. Um, frankly, I don't know that I can. You know, one of the things that I enjoy, whether it's uh, written posts, whether it's my books, whether it's videos, podcasts like this, one of the things that I think is really important is that, that again, emotionally gratifies me is being transparent with you. So it's not challenging for me to say that I don't know, um, because I don't. I would rather sit here and be completely forthright with you and tell you <laughs> I don't have a fucking clue than try and spin some BS. Okay. So I don't really know why uh, a certain type of person, and sadly, you know, when we're talking about a certain, like if, if we were talking about somebody, I don't know, somebody who's seriously mentally ill, if, especially if that person being mentally ill uh, manifests itself through criminal conduct, harming others, destroying property, so forth, we can look at that and say, okay, that's, that's bad. That, that's a problem. But somebody who's mentally ill to that extent is a very, 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 very small part of the population. The disturbing part for me is what I'm describing here today, that certain people take emotional gratification from spewing absolute fucking bullshit. Um, <laughs> that I have no explanation for, and it is a very sizable, in my view, percentage of the population. You know, obviously, I'm not out talking to tens of thousands of people face-to-face -face all the time. So my experience with this comes from primarily social media and all the various platforms I'm on and I visit and I participate in. So perhaps shit-talking, not being factual, accurate, or correct, is a facet of social media. Perhaps. I don't think so. Let me tell you why I don't think so. I live in a small town called Pahrump, Nevada. I think the town is 34,000 people. Now, I know some of you live in smaller towns. I come from Los Angeles, so this is a really small town. And back in 2016, I think it was 81% of the voters voted for Donald Trump. So that tells you what the predominant political framework or mindset is in this town. And there are a lot of people in this town who no longer speak to me. I don't mean they're like, you know, they're like, oh, I don't talk to you. Fuck him. They're not like that. But during the campaign for the election where Donald Trump was elected president, and during the four years he was president, I would sit down with people I'd known for years here in this town. Now, I moved here 11 years ago, as I'm sitting here talking to you now. So I, was, I moved here 11 years ago, almost 12 years ago. That's scary. Okay. So I knew a lot of people, and I would sit down and I would talk with them, and we'd visit in one of the stores, or we'd have lunch together. And... I noticed over time that started to diminish. People would not want to stand and talk to me in a store. They would not say, hey, man, let's you and I get together, sit down and have lunch over at that restaurant that we enjoyed so much last time. I noticed over time that dwindled. And I know exactly why it dwindled. Because we would sit and talk or stand and talk if it was in a store. And they would say, well, this is going on and that's going on and this is going on and the other's going on. None of it was factual, correct, or accurate. So I would very politely say, these are my neighbors, right? I would say, well, 
that's not exactly factual. Let me tell you what the facts are concerning this issue. This is a fact. This is a fact. These are facts. This is a fact. And you can go look up all these facts for yourself. So, with respect, Bob or Sue or whoever I was speaking with, so, respectfully, um, I don't know where you got that narrative. Yeah, I, I do, but I would... Again, these are my neighbors. I don't know where you got that narrative, but that narrative is non-factual, incorrect, and inaccurate. And you can go verify all the information I just gave you, which is factual, correct, and accurate. So I just want you to know, you know, as you go about town and you're talking to people, I just want you to know that that whole narrative you just spun for me, there's no facts or accuracy or correctness undergirding that. It's all just false narrative stuff. And the people that I was talking to are the very people I'm describing to you here today. They are people who don't want things that are factual, accurate, or correct, because that doesn't serve their purposes. Each one of them, as they sat there and spewed a false narrative at me, that empowered them, that fed them. They liked that. They felt like they knew stuff and they were powerful and they were going to share this with me and change the world. And it was all bullshit. Okay? So that experience here in my little town tells me it's not merely a social media phenomenon. It's just a human phenomenon. And again, I want to admit, I have no idea, no idea, why anyone would want to present themselves like that. I see it day in and day out on social media. Of course, with the SARS-CoV-2 outbreak, I haven't had as much face-to-face -face time with people, but obviously social media is bigger than ever. So I see people making those same kinds of comments, things that I used to hear sitting at lunch or standing in the store talking to my neighbors here in town. I hear the same kind of thing on social media constantly um, on my personal Facebook page. Uh, the people who participate regularly are very intelligent and very in tune and very fact-based. Uh, I actually have a policy on my per I don't do this on the Dr. Reality page because that's more of a big like community scene. Um, on my personal page, which is not a big community scene, that's it's like my living room, I have a policy. If you, if you come on my page and you lie, you tell a lie, I'm going to admonish you. I'm going to say, number one, that's a lie. Here's what the real fact is, and I don't allow lies on my personal page. Do not lie, okay? If you come on this page and lie, you'll get one, maybe two warnings. But if you come on this page and lie, I will remove you from this page. Now, my personal page is wide open. Anybody can go there and look at it. But by removing them, by unfriending them, it prevents them from posting lies, right? Because I find that kind of thing problematic, uh, so problematic, I also, I might even get to the point where, and this is about me, it's not about them. I find it like insulting. Okay, you, you came on my page, you came into my living room, and you fucking lied. You sat in my living room, euphemistically speaking, you sat in my living room, talking to my friends, and you fucking lied. In my living room, who the fuck do you think you are? That's kind of like the emotional content I have when people come on my personal Facebook page and lie. So, going back to the main theme, I'm no different than anybody else that 
the information that attracts me is information that emotionally gratifies me. The distinction turns out to be, uh, after I acknowledge that part of what I said was full of shit, um, the distinction appears to be that what gratifies me is factualness, correctness, accuracy. And what gratifies others is something else, which I'm admitting for I don't know what the sixth time. <laughs> I have no clue what that is. Uh, I want to take a moment and uh, suggest that if you find accuracy and correctness and factualness uh, a positive thing, <laughs> something you value in your life, uh, may I please suggest you go to drreality.news and pick up yourself a copy of Income Tax Shattering the Myths or Body Science or both. There's a news story that just came out today about income tax, and, I, and I'm going to come back and talk about that, and I'll talk more about Income Tax Shattering the Myths uh, when I do that story because they're related topics, but I do want you to know it Income tax shattering the most 17 years, 17 years of in-depth research to finally not only connect all of the dots, but all of the pieces of the puzzle in place, but do so in a way that, ev because it's basically sort of a history law book. Um, so obviously that can be intimidating. So it's put together in a way that every single person, I'm just going to say on the planet, but somebody in like, I don't know, India <laughs> probably has no little interest in uh, U.S. income tax law, so that every single American can understand. Now, people have read it because it's there is a high volume of information. They've had to read it a couple of times in order for it all to implant, but no one's ever read it and said, "I don't get, it. I don't understand." Everybody goes like, "Oh my God, why doesn't the whole nation know this?" Okay, and then body science. Yeah, you've probably heard me talk about this a ton of times. The establishment narrative on how human physiology operates is utter and complete bullshit. But it has allowed Big Pharma, Big Med, and Big Food to become multi-trillion dollar industries. And the reason that the scam from the government and researchers and pseudoscience continues to tell you absolute utter bullshit is to prop up and to continue Big Food, Big Med, and Big Pharma making trillions of dollars as America gets sicker and sicker and sicker, which it has, by the way. You can look at chronic disease. Wow, just, and it's all for money. You're being sacrificed on the altar of corporate profits in for big pharma, big med, and big food. So if you want to know the truth <laughs> about how your body's physiology actually operates, if you want to like take this whole con this whole fake construct that's been built for you, sort of like the matrix, and you want to yank yourself out of that, yeah, get yourself a copy of Body Science. Um, whether it's income tax shattering the myths or body science, uh, you have my word that they will both blow your mind, okay? Um, what you choose to do once you understand what's in them, that's up to you, not, not me. Uh, but they will both blow your mind. So I want to thank you for being here on the number 1,000 episode of the Dr. Reality Dave Champion podcast, the first one in many, many years. I apologize if there's any mistakes, whether they're technical or the sound from my computer and so forth. Uh, I will trim that up as time goes on, so please do tune in again. Thanks.